Welcome back to the Outside the Cockpit podcast, powered by the Intermission Sports. My name is Sam Donzig. I'm joined by uh, Julian Quintero, Coach Q. How are you doing today, Julian? Oh, man. Today has been a very interesting day, not only for F1 news, um, but honestly, I'm doing quite well. Very excited for what the silly season has to come because, holy moly, something crazy yeah. just happened right <laughs> as the break starts. So, yep. Uh, Crazy. Which we'll get to uh, later on in the episode. But first, before we get into the silly season talk, which we will get to, let's talk about that Hungarian Grand Prix because what are your thoughts on the Hungarian Grand Prix? What do you rate that race out of a 10? What were what your thoughts on that race? So, you know, Hungary usually is a very interesting weekend. Uh, the racing's usually not there in terms of like, oh, there's overtakes. Like usually that's not been the case. But this weekend was a very interesting one. I mean... Max Verstappen fighting from 10th to 1st. Hamilton started 7th, still finished 2nd. Uh, Russell finishing 3rd, despite starting on the pole, which is going to have to wait a bit longer to get that first win. All in all, very interesting week. And Ferrari dropping the ball again. This time it wasn't so much the car, but the strategy of the team. Uh, I feel like this was, a, a by Hungarian Grand Prix standards, uh, it felt like a very weird Grand Prix uh, it wasn't what you usually expect, but it threw up a lot of surprises that I really enjoyed. I feel like a lot of people enjoyed them. And in the end, uh, unless your name is Charles Leclerc, you're leaving Hungary. I feel like quite satisfied with the results on the table. Yeah, I would agree as well. I mean, if you're Max Verstappen, you're very happy because even for Checo Perez as well, like starting P10 and P11, they finished one and five. They extend their lead to uh, close to 90, close to 100 points. It's now a 97 point gap between them and Ferrari. And Max Verstappen extends his lead to 80 points in the driver standings, clear of Charles Leclerc. Right now, it's not his main rival. Like, like realistically, Charles Leclerc, I mean, yeah, technically he is his main rival, but when you're 80 points clear of the next closest guy, that's not the guy you have to worry about. If anything, he's got to probably start worrying about Hamilton or Russell or maybe even Checo because those are guys right now, like Mercedes is back officially. They're finally back. They're finally making their push they're making forward. Like for a while, they're making, they're making inroads as well. For a while, they've said like, oh, is Mercedes back? And they always were like, well, it's just practice. It's just practice. But their race pace was great on Sunday. Hamilton made a, had a great drive from P7 all the way up to P2. He showed off why he's one of the greatest drivers in the world, just in terms of masterclass with some great overtakes, excellent tire management as well, because he stayed out on the, he stayed out on those mediums for a long time uh, compared to the other drivers. Like every other driver really pitted early on this, on the soft tires uh, on the soft tires. And then they also switched it like the second set of mediums, but he stayed long on those mediums quite long, actually compared to the other drivers, which has proved well, how well he is at managing his tires, which we all know, which was great to see as well. But I think for, if you're Ferrari, you're definitely, Definitely for sure disappointed because you yeah. somehow you you somehow messed up a two three qualifying into a four six race finish like finishing fourth and sixth and every other team was starting in the soft because okay well if it's gonna rain we'll go from softs get like an early strategy and then they go to into the mediums or you go to the inters for us like no we'll start in the mediums but then they went mediums to mediums and then or so yeah I think well they. And they, they won mediums, mediums, and then they had to go in the hards at the end, which was unfortunate because they couldn't go to softs because they was too long to go in the softs. So they put Leclerc in the hards. And I think at that point, we all know that, I mean, Christian Horner said it as well, that like, as soon as Ferrari put on the hards, they knew they had a chance at race win at the race win because the hards were just not that competitive. It was a much cooler track, which means that the tires weren't as strong and 
were not there on the on the weekend. They did not have the pace. If it was a hotter track, for sure, it would have been well. But again, they did kind of put him a little bit like I'd say later because it was like halfway through the race that he put him on the hard. So it was uh, it was a long stint, and the track just wasn't hot enough for them to get uh, right up to temperature. So, look, man, going back to the point I made on the last podcast. Yep. Does Ferrari hate their drivers? Gen- genuinely, genuinely, <laughs> genuine question here. This is the Does, this is a genuine question from Mattia Bonato and all Ferrari strategists. Just answer the question when you the, when you feel comfortable. The Scuderia just not. I, I feel like they're the definition of tunnel vision. They have two really talented drivers, and they focus so hard on a strategy on paper that they're not seeing what's unfolding in the race itself. I feel like most teams were thinking about that strategy. Okay, you know, you go soft, medium, hards if it comes to it. Soft, mediums, maybe wet tires, inner tires towards the end. The people yep. who started on the mediums try to stretch the mediums out as much as possible yep. in the case that it does rain. Rain never came. Almost every team figured it out, right? And I want to I want to give a good shout out for Carlos Sainz because I'm pretty sure I don't think they showed it on the radio, but I'm almost certain that he was on the radio. Guys, let me just push for another 15 laps. Those hard tires are a nightmare. Just let me switch to softs. Like once the <laughs> yeah. point comes, let me hold on and switch to yeah. softs. Because if you were watching that race before Leclerc pit, both Alpines pit for hard tires and yeah. they fell off the cliff of a mountain once mm-hmm. they put those white wall tires on. So yeah, I don't know how as strategists of a Formula One team, you're not only focusing on the strategy you plan for the weekend, but you're also not looking at what's unfolding in the race ahead of you. If all the cars that have pit onto hard tires have been struggling to another level, why are you going to put your driver that is on course for another podium to try to close the gap on Max Verstappen? on the worst possible tire you can be on. I feel like yeah. if you put Charles on intermediate tires, he would have even done better than those yeah. hard tires. <laughs> I know no, that's I, entirely as a joke. No, no, I, I, told, I totally agree with you for sure. So because like a lot of teams yeah, a lot of teams do that where a lot of teams will look at what other like a lot of times you see it so many times in race like okay well someone who pits early a team that pits early like you said as well they'll they'll look at how other teams are what the times are doing or people say okay well say for example let's say i don't know like yeah like espan Oken, he pits for hards on lap like you know 30 like 29 or 30 whatever like 27 is like, okay he's going to the end and he's not getting those tires up in temperature because it's a much cooler day it's not like a hot friday it wasn't as hot in as earlier days and you're struggling. So why, if you're Ferrari, like you said as well, are you not looking at that? Are you not looking at that data and not understanding like every other team does that? So I don't understand if Ferrari is so, like you said, so focused on the one strategy they have in their very black and white. And that's the only strategy they have planned for the weekend. And if that one strategy doesn't work out, they have nothing else. Like I feel like Ferrari doesn't plan. They don't adapt with anything with weather, with nothing, because even sometimes like, yeah, like they said as well, no, no, like every other team, had a plan for the weather the wet weather coming so um but i think as well overall though as a race i think it did provide some provide some great racing like there was a lot of good amount of overtakes and i think a lot of people were saying as well a lot of the commenters saying like this was the this was the acid test for in terms of these new cars and how well they could follow each other and how well the racing was going to be because they were at Hungary because it's similar to Monaco. It's just without walls. A lot of people say that because it's so narrow. It's very technical. A lot of hard spots to overtake other than a few DRS zones, but these cars can follow much closer. Um, and it, it just provides some much better racing, which I just love to see because that's what you want. You want to have multiple overtakes and you want to have drivers like Max Verstappen from P10 get all the way up to P1. Yes, through some pit stops, but also just making some great overtakes. Like he made, I think there was multiple times where 
uh, there was overtakes where he made like double overtakes. So there was one over. I think there was, I forget the driver who it was, but there was a driver who made a double overtake on both Alpines down into turn uh, three and four, which was quite nice as well. Quite beautiful. So um, it provided some great racing. I think, I mean, I think, Hungary the past two years has provided these races like you said as well they're a little bit weird like they're a little bit a mystery like last year we saw Esteban Ocon get his first win this year I mean we saw yeah Max Verstappen get his first win but also we somehow saw like you know like George Russell and Lewis Hamilton on the podium and now Lewis Hamilton has more podium finishes than Charles Leclerc this year think about that <laughs> like six to five he has six podium finishes Charles Leclerc has five and somehow Charles Leclerc at the beginning of the year was leading the championship by 30 plus points after australia after australia he was at 71 points and somehow now he is sitting uh i think in third so no he's sitting technically still in second place right now but he's just very far back from max verstappen 80 points to be exact it's absolutely like first and foremost i do want to commend uh max verstappen for yeah. a hell of a drive it was a fantastic yeah. race for max verstappen he i mean if you're starting 10th that you're finishing first not only are you doing a great job on the track but your team did a great job with the strategy yeah. um and that's just how it is right there you know he went if I remember correctly his strategy was what soft medium medium uh yeah. that was like the more common one for the top runners people who are running more in the midfield or elsewhere were running the medium medium soft strategy yeah. that was like that was supposed to be like the strategy of the week, and especially as we saw the race unfold, which makes Leclerc's like decision to go to hards. If you went to hards after the first strategy and that Milston to try to like stretch that out, fine, I get that. But like do, doing it in the second stint when you've clearly seen that it's already not working is was ridiculous. But that's enough on yeah. that Charles point. Um, right. Verstappen was so fast yeah. today which was something very uncharacteristic that we didn't really see from the Red Bulls this weekend. Uh, he was so good this weekend that he passed Leclerc twice after passing him, spinning out, yep. and then passing him again, which for me just shows not only is Max Verstappen as good of a driver, we have already know how good he is. It just goes to show that he is that championship caliber driver that can definitely be a very minor but championship moment, so to say, that you can show. But it also just goes to show that Leclerc's car on those hearts was just ridiculous. But still, Verstappen going from 10th to 1st, a phenomenal race from him. Lewis Hamilton also. Yeah, very another amazing. great drive for sure. Seeing his scrap with George Russell at the end, it was like, look, you're the young buck. Everyone's rooting for you and everything, but I still got to say in this. It just goes to show that Mercedes, the way they were fighting each other, uh, not only does Hamilton have a lot of respect for Russell, Russell has respect for Hamilton. They're not going to give things to each other, but they definitely were um, not rivals in any way. It just goes to show if it, didn't, it felt like, Oh, this is going to be a passing of the torch moment. Russell's going to finish in front of Hamilton. It's going to be beautiful. And Hamilton's like, I still got the fight in me. So he just, <laughs> he's like, nah, bro. I, you're, you're not finishing second. You can, you can, yeah. So he, like, he fought with them for a couple laps and he he fought hard. And it was good for Mercedes to let them fight a little bit, um, you know, without yeah. um, obviously crashing out. But obviously, I think at a certain point as well, maybe it comes later in the season. Um, we might see something different, but as of right now in this first battle, one of the first battles that we saw them uh, fighting so far, and we've seen them fight a couple times before the season as well. And they've let them fight before they, I think they know that both drivers respect each other very much. And they know that what's on the line. And obviously Toto is like, he's very hard on both the drivers. Like he knows, especially for George as well. Like if he messes up, like, you know, if you touch Lewis Hamilton crash out, it's not looking good. So <laughs> yeah. you don't want to mess with a Toto, an angry Toto wolf. So that's yeah. one thing for sure. So, regardless though um yeah yeah it, it was a, it was a good weekend the one thing going going to your point of the cars following 
Yeah. The thing that just was very surprising to me, when, once you like hop to the lower end of the top 10 and everything, uh, yeah. the cars that were slower, about one lap difference between them, two laps, give or take. Obviously, Sonoda had his problems. Some people have problems. That's what spread out the field. But if you look at most of the cars on the grid throughout, they were very, very close to one another. And if you look from a P1 to P6, uh, for Stapp, let's say usually in races where a driver dominates the last couple laps and everything, like Verstappen did, you know, if they pit from first, they'll probably like it, it just because if they felt like it, if they pit from first, yeah. they'd come out what it's still in first, maybe second, it's fine. Uh, one through six was div- was separated entirely by 16 seconds, which yeah. if we look at previous Formula One season, we're looking at this new spec, it just goes to show that. Not not only are the cars following better, but we're seeing these cars compete with each other at a better rate than we've seen in yeah. past seasons. Um, mm-hmm. and my and like in my opinion, obviously the top three teams now you know it's, it is Red Bull, uh, Ferrari, Mercedes, but we're seeing that they're reaching a level where going individually from car to car, uh, it's just going to depend on how the car and the strategy answers to the track. But in terms of performance, I feel like all these cards are very similar. And the fact that they all finish within 16 seconds of one another just goes to show that usually we're not seeing cars finish this close to one another. Uh, granted, yeah, Verstappen had an almost eight-second gap on Hamilton at the end. I'm not saying it was like, oh, photo finish. No, but between one to six, it should not be that close. In yeah, in, pre- in previous, previous years. years, we've not seen like the top five follow each other yeah. this closely, but that's exactly what we saw. Leclerc even struggling with that finished uh, just under like, like about half a second behind Paris. Paris was a second behind signs. Signs was uh, just over two seconds behind Russell. And yeah, it's not enough for them to be able to fight each other on track or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But if you compare it to previous seasons, there'd be times where third and fourth, not even the same camera shot. And now, yeah. you know, we're seeing these cross the line a bit closer and everything. We've seen this be a trend throughout the season. So I feel like this new spec definitely allows cars to fall better and everything. So for, for next year, I'm expecting one of these teams to sit down and be like, you know what, we gotta, we gotta pick something to try to pull us away from the pack. And it's going to be really interesting, interesting to see the ingenuities of next year. Yeah, no, for sure. Exactly. And I'm really excited to see what happens over the next couple of years as well. Um, one of the things I did want to just briefly mention as well, it was reported as well the other day that apparently uh, Honda is extending their partnership with Red Bull until 2025 to continue to manufacture its engines for them. It was reported uh, the other day. Um, Cause I know we were talking about it last week, obviously on the, like the previous episodes podcast about like, Oh, and I, I thought at least that I had thought it was seen reported that it was somewhere on the official Red Bull powertrain Twitter page that it was that Red Bull and Porsche were making engines for 2023, but clearly that was uh, incorrect information. So I do apologize for putting that out. So clearly um, Porsche and Red, oh, sorry, Ferrari, so Honda and Red Bull have agreed to continue making engines until, until, until 2025. Uh, Cause obviously 2026 is when the new uh, motor MG UK units uh, come out for the new engines for 2026 or like when they're set to release, but just quick note on that. Now let's head over to some silly season news because Oscar Piastri is not driving for Alpine as much as the news did say it as much as Alpine broke the news. We saw the official F1 announcement. F1 put an official article. It was funny because I went to the F1 website to because I was like, okay, I'll pull it up. And I noticed as well the difference between, I think, between the two articles that they did. So let's say, so they said Alpine announces, they announced this article eight hours ago. It was eight hours ago when they put out the first article. And then six hours ago, a mere two hours later, 
they said, oh, he's not actually driving because Oscar Piastri put out this statement on Twitter saying, I understand that without my agreement, Alpine F1 have put out a press release late this afternoon that I am driving for them next year. This is wrong and I have not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023. I will not be driving for Alpine next year. Obviously, Fernando Alonso left Alpine, signed with Aston Martin. That was official. That was good. Alpine's like, okay, let's announce that we're going to be signing out like Oscar Piastri, right? Everyone's like, oh, that's great. Not a big shock. Ever knew it was coming. He finally got his seat. He deserves his seat with Alpine. He's a great driver. The F2 champion from last year. Everyone was expecting him to get into F1 this year. If it wasn't probably for if Fernando Alonso didn't return in the next couple of years, he probably would have had a seat in there, at least with Alpine. But now, all of a sudden, he's not signing with Alpine. And the question is, a lot of people are pointing towards that he's going to sign with McLaren, replace Daniel Ricciardo, because he's probably not going to, like, Lando Norris is locked in with McLaren for the next couple of years. Daniel Ricciardo has been struggling massively throughout the season so far, uh, even going back to last season as well, even previous seasons. Like, he has struggled. Daniel Ricciardo has struggled. I mean, yeah, he won last year in Monzo, but other than that, like, he hasn't really put together uh, a championship winning season. Yeah, he hasn't had a great car, but even Lando Norris has been putting together better seasons. So what are your thoughts on this whole silly season situation with Oscar Piastri? And do you think that realistically he could go to McLaren to replace Daniel Ricciardo? So if you go back a couple, uh, well, to the last episode of the podcast, I said, look, all the speculation people have, is Gasly going to race for Alpine? I was like, it's not going to happen. You know, they have Piastri in the slot they have him in and yeah this morning i woke up my roommate tells me uh hey julian um piastri signed with alpine i'm like this isn't big news this was expected you know what whatever i went all my day and then i'm chilling yeah. i get a <laughs> notification of uh piastri not signing with alpine and i was like i'm confused like what <laughs> what, what what did alpine do to mess it up and then i see piastri's statement and absolutely hilarious that Alpine jumped the gun this hard and it's embarrassing on their part especially as an organization yeah. uh, you have this guy that you've been trying to be your main guy he's been in your academy for four years and everything absolutely ridiculous that you messed it up but the one thing that I noticed from Piastri's statement was wow like like I'm not driving for Alpine in 2023 that's what he specified obviously he's very upset with them jumping the gun but the way that he said it, that I'm not driving for, for them in 2023 is why people are throwing all these McLaren rumors around. They're throwing right. all of these things. And the reason why I think that's the case is, according to some of the things that I've seen and the reports that I've heard, Piastri was going to drive for McLaren this coming year, and they were going to announce it later on in the window. Uh, McLaren and uh, Alpine made a deal to talk about it, to focus on um Piastri's development put him in an F1 seat because Ricardo right. was underperforming to that point, and they were going to you know loan Piastri for like a season in that McLaren. And right. when the reports come out, um, Fernando Alonso assigned for Aston Martin, which com- I I believe completely blindsided Alpine, and out of panic they tried pulling out of that deal with McLaren to allow Piastri to go there and to sign, and they just absolutely rushed the entire process. And you know at this point, as we're seeing. It's just all too late for them, and yeah, an absolute disaster class from from Alpine in this sense. So, all the rumors of Daniel Ricciardo being out in McLaren, it seemed that way since the start of the season, um, and as the season has progressed, it's it's gotten stronger and stronger by each race. We didn't know who it was going to be. You know, there was rumblings that Alex Pelot might make the jump to McLaren from IndyCar. Um, there was a bunch of talks about potentially Piastri jumping in, um, a bunch of drivers throughout the grid. Gasly was yeah. 
that a bunch of drivers were, oh, are they going to take that second McLaren seat or is Ricardo going to stay? They didn't know. And now it just seems completely after this, oh, Piastri is going to be a lock for McLaren. Is he? I don't know, but for sure he's not driving for Alpine. That's yeah, for sure. yeah uh, he's not driving for Alpine. So the question is Alpine. now, now the question is who does Alpine sign? Because I looked at like we talked, like I mentioned in the in our motorsport chat today when I was just like, there are two, there are two drivers, are Ollie Caldwell and Jack Doohan. And and I looked at the standings. Jack Doohan right now is sitting in ninth in the F 2s championship, and Ollie Ollie Caldwell Ollie Caldwell is sitting nineteenth. Not particularly high in the F2 standings. Those are the two F2 Academy drivers that they have right now that they could potentially link to put in a seat. But there's no way if you're Alpine that you're looking towards those two guys. I'm mean, again, no offense to them. Like, yeah, they're going to have two. But if you're ninth and 19th and you're not running one into an F2, like Oscar Piastri was who won F2 last year and somehow you fumbled the bag because you got a little too excited. Like, yeah, we got Oscar Piastri, but you couldn't pull out the deal because there was a legality like from some of the reports that I saw online, there was a legal, almost legal battle between McLaren and Alpine saying that he was legally obligated to go with Alpine or with McLaren. Like, because he had obviously they had this backdoor deal that they had made between the two teams and figure like you had mentioned as well, what was going on, where he was going to go. Was he going to replace Ricardo? I mean, I, I would honestly be happy either way. He's in F1 with the seat. The question is, I know he's not going to be driving for Alpine, which leaves Alpine hanging because now they don't have a driver for 2023 as of right now. Who do they put in there? Who wants to go in that Alpine seat. I'm not saying it's not saying it's like tainted because this like this announcement, but it's like if Alpine now can't figure out when to make the right driver announcement because they're like they can't wait for the driver to make an official statement. Um is someone going to want to drive for Alpine? Because it's something that it stains your organizations a little bit as in terms of the the credibility as an organization to do proper business between drivers and uh, teams. Um, like you mentioned, like obviously there was Chip Ganassi and Alex Pelot. There's a legal battle going on, and I believe like there's a uh, there was that whole thing as well. Like the fall, you know, they, they announced, put it as an announcement. It was way too early. Said, yep, this is not true. I'm not racing for them. And then went to go sign with the other team. So maybe we could see that same case happen for Oscar Piastri. I'd love to see him in a, in a seat as well replace a fellow australian i mean yeah i'd be sad to see a daniel ricardo go but also at the end of the day daniel ricardo he's got a great personality but it's at the end of the day you got to be driving fast and you got to put up results it's a cutthroat sport in formula one and if you're not doing that you will be replaced so and it, i mean at the end of the day it's just the bottom line and that's just how it is so um if oscar piastri deserves a seat you know he's he's a he's a he's proven he's a proven winner in f2 he's hungry for an f1 seat he's ready to work then yeah mclaren wants him because that would be great to have a if you have oscar piastri and lando norris as your driver lineup for the next couple of years you have a great future ahead of you yeah the mclaren car isn't what it used to be in terms of 2021 that yeah they haven't really got the new regulations right but you still got years to get into that and with development as well i think that'd be a great team in the next couple of years and be a team to watch out for uh in terms of pure talent because oscar piastri is extremely talented as well as lando norris as well so that'd be a great driver lineup for 2023 and beyond i mean yeah obviously it's not confirmed or anything but i right. do feel like that would be a really solid lineup obviously we can't fully predict it but Based off what we've seen of Piastri, based off what we've seen of Norris already in Formula One, uh, yeah, that should be a big oh future lineup. I think we'll definitely see problems for that team in the sense of who's the number one or anything years down the road if Piastri is as good as advertised. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there because we haven't gotten there yet. You know, we haven't seen Piastri in Formula One machinery and if he is all that. But the main right. point I want to point out is the Daniel Ricardo point. Everyone's going, oh, Daniel Ricardo, don't worry. 
If he's cut from McLaren, he's just going to go back to Alpine. And I'm like, there's another person in this that I feel like Alpine's definitely eyeing, it, especially now that they don't have Piastri. As you said, they're not going to bring up their academy drivers. I think they're not only, like, they're not finishing super high, but Guan Yu Zhou finished, like, not that high either in F2 the past season. And, and he's been doing pretty all right for Alfa Romeo this year. But the two guys that they have right now in the pipeline, I believe it's either their first or second seasons in F2. They're still really young. So it's not that big. Yeah. Field, but right. they're not going to want to call him up. So mm-hmm. the one guy that I reason, I don't think Ricardo going back to Alpine would make sense. Um, you know, he had his little issues with the team. I wouldn't exactly be like, oh, that is the move. If it happens, cool. Obviously, they don't have Cyril anymore in charge. So maybe that's exactly where the, he'll be fine with returning. But in my opinion, French team, they already have one French driver. They're going to want to get another, in my opinion. They're going to bring in Pierre Gasly, who's already said he doesn't fully feel like he's going to get a Red Bull seat ever again. He has mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. He's, you know, he's getting tired of just sitting in the Toro Rosso. And even though you could, I said Toro Rosso, Alpha Tori, whatever, um, even though he wants to make a hor- like even though it's a horizontal move on paper, so to say, although right. the season Alpine has been better to go to Alpine, I feel like Gasly definitely would want to make that move. Um, just to get away from Red Bull and you go to the French team, you're a French driver and now you have a French teammate. So I feel like that's definitely something that uh, Alpine would want to do. I feel like their main objective would be to get Gasly. They can get Ricardo cool, but I feel like they definitely want to get Gasly. I I think, I think Gasly's a, Gasly's a higher, he's a higher prospect for sure. He's a higher prospect. He's a younger talent. Like you said, like um, which, which make more sense for sure, because he's a great driver. And obviously I think for sure, exactly. He's probably just getting sick of, like you said as well, being in that, uh, in that uh, Alpha Tori seat and just not really having a ceiling to go up on. Like he doesn't, he's kind of reached his ceiling there because obviously with Sergio Perez extending his contract extension with the team until 2024, Max is going to be there for who knows, like Max is going to stay there. Obviously he deserves his seat. Um, but I think, realistically for uh ghastly he's got to look elsewhere maybe like i mean there's links to ghastly goes to mclaren but like obviously now like there was talks with ghastly like you said as well like ghastly could go anywhere but i think now that if piastri is going to mclaren and i mean maybe then he goes to alpine like you said as well but then that opens the door for alpine where does alpine or so where does uh like alpha tori go to replace ghastly so it's like it's a game of musical chairs right now i think and i think we're gonna have multiple driver moves um, you know, multiple people swapping teams or just switching places and some people losing seats, some people gaining seats, some people coming up, but I just don't know because I think if, if, if for whatever reason, I mean, I guess maybe, yeah, I'm trying to think if alpha Tori, cause looking at Red Bull's Red Bull's list of like Academy drivers, um, obviously I think there's Liam Lawson, I think is really the only one that I'm thinking of Liam Lawson. And then also, uh, Krishna, who is it? The other guy, uh, I forget. I'm trying to, the other F2 driver that is their academy driver, not Yuri Vips, obviously, because he got dropped, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, isn't it, isn't it, uh, Jehan Darubla? Yes, that's who it is. Yes. Yeah. So here's the, uh, so the, either those two as well. I mean, maybe Liam Lawson finally gets his call up to potentially, uh, an Alpha Tori seat, which could be potentially the future. Cause I mean, if you bring Liam Lawson into Alpha Tori, which I mean would be a good move, like Pierre Gassi goes over to Alpine joins the French team. Then in the next couple of years, at least for Red Bull, they've got another younger driver that they can look towards, or you could just send to two younger drivers as well. And one of them, they could bring up to replace Sergio Perez in a couple of years after 2024, maybe for 2025 after a certain point when, cause I feel like Perez, you know, the next two years, I mean, maybe he wants to keep driving after 2024. Who knows what his pace will be? Who knows what he like? He, he like, he might still, 
I'm not saying have it or still, I, he'll still have it, but it depends on if he has the passion, if he wants to just go be like Sebastian Vettel, retire, go spend time with his family, with his kids whatever it may be because he might want to do that and then that opens the door up again as an f1 team you're always thinking about the future you're always thinking about what the future holds for you and especially when you have a driver that's a little bit older like like Lando Norris, young talent. Daniel Ricciardo, a little bit older, right? So Max Verstappen, young talent. For, uh, like a uh, Sergio Perez, a little bit older. So you're always thinking about the future as that second seed as well. And Mercedes finally filled that sort of with um, putting George Russell in there with Lewis Hamilton as the future of the team, because potentially as well, in a couple of years from now, when Lewis Hamilton retires, they've got maybe you know some, like a Nick DeVries who comes in for Williams, or maybe even an Alex Albon. Who knows what happens? Like, um, not saying Nicholas <laughs> Latifi is going to go. I don't know. I'm just thinking about what's yeah. going on like in the so- future. Like, yeah, Nicholas Latifi to Mercedes. No, I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. Not go Tifi. God, not go Tifi. I mean, hey, I mean, he almost he he was he was quickest in FP3, which I thought was so strange. And he was, I think we were watching hard. qualifying for the Hungarian Grand Prix, yeah, purple sector one, which I thought was absolute mad. Um, so I mean, hey, Williams drivers for some reason they do really well in the wet. I think for whatever reason, Williams drivers do well in the wet. So I don't know what it is how they designed that car. Very well equipped car. Uh, well, the car is very. Yeah, equipped for the wet weather it seems. Yeah, but here we go. Let, let's let's talk some silly, more silly season. Why not? But oh yes. no, oh my microphone disconnected. So that was <laughs> quite fun. My apologies <laughs> to anyone who had to hear that pop out. But um, let's talk. Let's talk silly season. And the reason why I mention it is because a lot's happening already. What's going to be moving yeah. forward? But I think I've kind of figured out how these musical chairs might play out. Okay, let's hear it then. So we have Piastri going to McLaren. Ricardo yeah. stays without a job. Yeah. Gasly moves over to Alpine. Leaves okay. a slot open for Alpha Tori. Um, and then th- this is if no one decides to bring younger drivers up or from different series or anything like that. I have right. Ricardo going to Williams. And because Albon still has his Red Bull ties, going to Alpha Tori to fit that seat for one more season um before red bull is comfortable to call up either liam lawson or jahan deruvula i could yeah. see deruvula or lawson taking that other seat alongside sonoda but right i definitely feel like if that ends up happening if they announce uh, deruvula or lawson to take that red bull seat if Gasly does end up going to alpine i think williams drop latifi re-sign albon and then have a lineup of albon ricardo would be very interesting to see how that car performs because obviously it's been towards the lower half of the cars on the track and everything, but Albon has still put in some absolutely great drives. Ricardo, even though we have given him like, oh, he's been struggling this year, he's still a lot better than Nicholas Latifi. And there's no, like, yeah. I'm not, not, I don't want to say anything about Nicholas Latifi, but I've said several times, I don't feel like he is a Formula One caliber driver. Maybe if he goes over to IndyCar or he checks out other series, he'll do amazing things i feel like yeah maybe but just f1's just not his series in terms of how it's turned out but i really do feel like that would be a very interesting driver lineup so i feel like if Gasly goes to alpine uh the likelihood is that albon takes the seat that alpha tori unless that relationship's already severed but the fact that albon is still sponsored by red bull and he's still technically a part of that chain i think definitely keeps that within the realm of possibility it is a it is a for sure a possibility because he still does have the connections with the Red Bull having the Red Bull sticker and the Red Bull colored helmet for be, uh, still being even though he's a Williams driver and I don't think that relationship is that sour because I mean I think it's not as sour as the Gasly one because Gasly got dropped mid season for Albon and then Albon got dropped at the end of the season for Perez but I think he understood that he just wasn't performing enough. 
to make that uh, major gap as well. So we'll just have to see what happens and potentially that may be um, the case to see what happens. So I'll be really interesting to see what happens for sure. But I mean, I think for me at least, and it's realistically what I think, I think that I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't know. All your moves sound great. I mean, I think I think it'd be cool to see Liam Lawson up in that in that Formula One seat. I just don't know if he's ready, if they're if they're ready to make that call because they've done it before and they've seen where it paid off before with like pulling up drivers who are too young for that seat. And again, maybe, maybe that's more for the Red Bull seat from the AlphaTauri seat. But I mean, I don't see them doing that. But even like two years, if Liam Lawson is in AlphaTauri, two three years from now, Perez retires. Maybe they bring up to Sonoda. Maybe they bring up Liam Lawson or Derivola as well as the other option. So I'll be really excited to see uh, what happens happens there so oh for sure and uh yeah the reason why i don't feel like those younger guys might be coming up is just more so we haven't heard much noise from them as a whole um another one that definitely i think has the talent to be able to come up to f1 but not only because of the slots and relationships available right now but more specifically uh the <laughs> the socio-political aspects of the world at the moment robert schwarzman as a talent, the man deserves to be in Formula One. But, um, you know, having that Russian banner, being a Russian driver, uh, I don't know what it is, but it just seems like that's going to be a hindrance for him when it comes to trying to get a seat in Formula One. And then on top of that, um, the other guy, he who shall not be named, so to say, but Yuri Vips, you know, he was also potentially, it seemed like it was going to be set in stone. Vips is coming in for gas, the gas is going to go elsewhere, and that's just how it's going to be. And now it's up in the air because Vip said some very bad things on a on a stream. So if there's any if there's any motorsport drivers out there, don't be saying things on uh on stream because why? <laughs> like there's no reason to be saying those things at all. Much less I don't understand the audience. So. I don't understand why drivers like they, they have the media training. So if you're and again, that's the thing because a lot of these drivers they in this new age of technology, in this new age of streaming and platforming, they're they're like they're doing more things on their spare time, doing more things in their spare time, and they're you know playing Call of Duty, playing Fortnite, whatever it is, and they're streaming. They're making these dumb mistakes because they don't realize that oh yeah, it's simple, it's just a simple comment, but you don't realize that you're under contract with a national team, and that team has has stakeholders and has sponsors and has um, people who put money into that, and they see that they're still sponsoring a driver who says these certain things they're not going to like that so it's an automatic drop for them like they, there's no question they can't hold on to that yeah he's still driving he still has a seat in f2 i wasn't surprised that i was i mean not saying he wouldn't get dropped from his seat but i'm like hey you know if ferrari i mean red bull wants to drop from their academy but it does also it does lessen the chance of him getting an f2 seat as well because he doesn't have an academy team behind that so his expenses just went up very much because in f2 it's very expensive even with like that's with that's even with an academy team when you don't have an academy team sponsoring you it's a lot more expensive because his expenses went a lot uh, just went up a lot more because of a simple phrase that he said or a couple of phrases that he said on stream which shall shall not be mentioned for obvious reasons, but it's unfortunate because again, that's just the circumstances and you choose to make those decisions and those are the consequences that you have to face as a driver. And it doesn't matter. Like any driver makes any type of comments as well. I mean, the one thing that I don't understand is that there's even sometimes comments made within the paddock from certain people from Red Bull staff, uh, 
let's say, I don't know, uh, Dr. Helmut Marko. And a lot of times the comments always don't get really the right amount of flack that they get from other people as well. Maybe, I mean, he's from a different generation, so it's a little bit different and a little bit more. No, they, they kind of look. Yeah, but he, but even it doesn't it doesn't matter. He doesn't matter. You shouldn't get a free pass just because of that. So I don't understand why it's just from certain generations that people say stuff and it gets okay. Well, it gets flagged, but then other people can say it and like, oh, it's nothing wrong with it. Or even as well, Jos Verstappen, Max Verstappen's dad has come out and said some pretty uh, wild things for sure as well. Max Verstappen and, has done some pretty wild yeah, things. Yeah, he, he's done and said some mild things. But again, that's for another day, another topic. But in terms of silly season, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this summer break because we all know that the summer break isn't that quiet in the Formula One. It's when the new upgrades are announced. It's when new packages are put together. Um, there was a recent announcement as well that obviously this new technical, uh, I forget what the technical, I forget what it's an FIA thing, like the... It's a technical thing that's being announced for uh, Spa in terms of yeah. the porpoising that's being affected and yeah, how Mercedes directive. is... A- they have the technical directive, sorry, that's the word that I was looking for. Technical directive that's coming in for Spa, and that's going to be really interesting to see how well Ferrari and Red Bull play to that. Because, of course, it's really funny how Mercedes for eight years was the best team, Not and everyone complained about Mercedes because, and everyone said, oh, you couldn't have a go at Mercedes, you couldn't have a go at Mercedes because they were just the best team, they designed the best car. And then Ferrari and Red Bull do the same exact thing, and now Mercedes is like, hold on a second, let's look at that. Again, to be fair as well, Red Bull did it multiple years in a row where they looked into every Mercedes design they did complain a lot of things because that's what red bull does and that's what it's that's what that's what you have to do as a team when you're competing with a championship you have to fight every little nuance of um engineer design that a team come up team that a team designs and comes up with um but i just think it's funny that mercedes is now the on the other side of it complaining about all these things like hey this car's faster than us like that's not right or they're they don't understand how to better they they you know they they built the car better for porpoising and we're struggling with that so you should introduce a new technical directive because obviously it's about driver safety as well but also it's about the speed of the car so i just think that's funny about as you know um being on the other side of the equation as well, not being a Mercedes fan, but just kind of being on the other side of it, like saying like, oh yeah, like, you know, we used to complain about Mercedes being too fast and now they're on the other side of it. Again, they're slowly, they're slowly coming back and they're starting to make headwaves, uh, headways about it, but it's still funny, I think, at least in my mind. <laughs> I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, about them them complaining about the uh, the porpoising, about these this new, uh, like how, how Ferrari and Red Bull have designed the car that seems to be faster than theirs, so. This is just Formula One being Formula One. Yeah, <clears throat> Ferrari was absolutely amazing. They implemented tire uh, during the during the whole early mid two thousands era when there was a tire war. They do the whole yeah. wait a minute, uh, the whole your tires are different than mine, so I can't give you this information. The FIA needs to do this. It's not fair. And then there's the whole two thousand five Indianapolis fiasco. Right. There's the, all the regulations in that time. There's Spygate. Teams are notoriously known especially when they were on top for a long time to where the second they aren't on top, they start complaining. We tend to forget before Mercedes just took over, it was Red Bull dominating. And before Red Bull took over, it was Ferrari and McLaren bickering back and forth about regulations. We go back to the 2003 championship. It seemed like either Juan Pablo Montoya or Kimi Raikkonen was going to run away with it. What happened? Ferrari complained about tread width on the Michelin tires made Michelin get a tire change for all their cars and Ferrari pulled through and won the championship, not only in the constructors, Mm. but also with Michael Schumacher. So it just Mm. goes to show regardless of the team, regardless of the era, 
the best team, the second they're no longer on top and their rivals take that slot, they're going to be complaining about everything and it's going to be extremely highlighted. Yeah. Now, no, that's for sure as well, because it was funny because the fact that I've seen multiple articles seen as well, I think it was, well, Total Wolf, it was like, again, like this is counting back. So Total Wolf originally said recently, okay, the Ferrari and Red Bull dominance could get boring. Okay. Backtrack to a couple of years ago, Hamilton dominance could get boring, right? Backtrack a couple of years ago, uh, let's say early 2010s. Okay. Vettel and Red Bull dominance could get boring is what Hamilton said back in the 2010s when they started dominating 2020, 2011. Every driver has always talked about the dominance of another team saying it could get boring. And we all know it does get a little bit boring, but it's just how the dominance works. Like every couple of years, there's always one team that gets the regulations right and just dominates that air and sometimes we get some like 2021 was the odd year where one team near the end of the regulations finally got it right and finally made a competitive car so we might see that at the end of these regulations whenever these regulations end in the new ones and maybe near the end of 2025 and just before the new engines are introduced maybe we see another team uh come up maybe mclaren starts fighting for drive like who knows what happens it's four years from now so or sorry three years from now actually as well um so it's going to be interesting to see what happens over these next couple years in formula one and see how teams bounce back and react with each other react with these new regulations react with the the developments of the car developments of uh each team as well so it's gonna be really interesting to say the least for sure yeah that's just hey man let's be interested and move on to this whatever is next and that's just how it is that's just how you have to be in this team if you're not if you're not prepared for what's to come if you're not looking as we said earlier for the next younger driver if you're not looking to complain and gain as much of an advantage are you really a formula one team who's looking to compete that's just how it is because especially in the sport where you finish every millisecond every point every position counts towards where you finish in the championship how much revenue you're making and sure for a team like ferrari mercedes or red bull those are just it seems like pennies to them but if you look at a team like williams Haas, aston martin all of these any of these teams towards the bottom end the difference between finishing even as well so yeah the difference between finishing seventh and eighth is monumental so yeah we we saw it a couple years ago when we had the whole pink mercedes argument and teams trying to drag down racing point at that point it just goes to show if you're not complaining to try to give yourself the advantage if you're not fighting for anything then you're not going to be successful in formula one yeah well i think that will do it for today's episode of outside the cockpit powered by the intermission sports thank you guys for all listening and we'll be back probably in the next coming maybe who knows what happens maybe we'll have more news to announce and we'll put out another episode in the next in the next week or so but just stay tuned and make sure to check out the intermissionsports.com for more content we've got motorsport content we got uh i want to put out some more indycar content some nascar content and all those sports as well uh as sports are starting to return as well football season is I would say just around the corner, but just another month away um, as hey, well. So lots hey, of lot, lots of content coming out. So. August 4th is the first preseason game for the NFL. Yes, indeed. So, all righty. Well, thank you guys for listening, and that'll be it. Have a great day. Peace.